0: Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. This is your host Tyler Burns. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Threads, actually at Burns Clan. Please follow at your own risk. And this week we are continuing our very special look backstage at this year's Joy and Justice Conference, where the theme was Rise Up and Flourish. And if you missed it, oh my goodness. What a time we had, what a time, what a time. And we are so honored that we were able to host so many incredible speakers at this year's conference. And one of them is our very own Faith Brooks of the Melanated Faith podcast. And she was incredible to graciously step in and take a few minutes backstage with each of the presenters. They share their testimonies and discuss what it truly means to rise up and flourish in our time. So this week, we've got conversations with Dr. Kenyatta Gilbert, Dr. Natasha Sistrunk Robinson, Reverend Alvin Love, and Danny Koch Balfour. You're not gonna wanna miss this one. So without further ado, let's kick it to Faith Brooks backstage at Joy and Justice 2023.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to the Pass the Mic podcast. Here at the Joy and Justice Conference. This is a special edition podcast and it is powered by The Witness, a Black Christian collective. My name is Faith Brooks. I am your host and I am here with a very special guest, Dr. Kenyatta Gilbert, who is the Dean of the School of Divinity at Howard University. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you, Faith, for having me. It's a a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, I have a question for you. As okay. you know, this year, our theme is to rise up and flourish. Yeah. When you hear that, what comes to mind for you?
2: For me, it, um, it is highly appropriate to theme this conference as such. Mm-hmm. In our particular national conversation, you're talking about wokeness and things that relate to uh, standing up for justice, being highly vigilant mm. in one's own um, ways of addressing injustice. And so when I hear the word rise up and then the words rise up and flourish, I think about the emerging generation uh, of, of, of youth and young people who are um, taking the baton and seeking ways in which to push the conversation forward and to also celebrate and flourish in their own respective ministries and vocations.
1: I love that. So for you, mm-hmm. um, as you're talking about community, what do you think, Like, or why do you think it is important for mm-hmm. us as black people and black Christians to gather together?
2: Well, it's important because uh, there's such a dilution of, of our people in the, the country itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, We are a diverse people, of course you know, different shades of mm-hmm. blackness, different perspectives, different denominational traditions, different ways of knowing, uh, but also uh, there's something common about uh, one thinking about one's own heritage and um, uh, cultural traditions that that form and shape us.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so um, I do think it's important to, to gather because in fellowship there is the opportunity to, to shepherd, to coach, to, uh, to build moments where joy can be established and, um, and, uh, engaged in, uh, in ways in which, uh, it's very difficult to do in societies where many of us, particularly those of us who have been privileged to attend universities, that are historically white, mm-hmm. for example, might find themselves minoritized in those contexts. So it's always, I think, important uh, to gather with people who share uh, racial and cultural uh, uniqueness. Yeah. yeah,
1: it makes me. I always feel like when I when I get to be with my people, I feel like it's a moment of like I see you,
2: right? And
1: um, I feel really seen in those spaces. Yeah. And that's why I always think like it's so good for us to be able to gather together. Absolutely. When you think of your own life, Whew. <laughs> when um, you think about your life, when you think about what you've been, you know, going through, what helps yeah. you to cultivate joy in your own life each yeah. day?
2: I'm really at heart uh, a very um, deeply uh, devoted per- um, family person. Mm. I just love my family. They bring me joy. Yeah. They bring me they bring me craziness, but they also, <laughs> they give me a lot of joy. I'm, I'm thankful for the bride that I selected and who mm-hmm. selected me. Uh, we've been journeying together now for 26 years. And, it's amazing. Um, and I'm very thankful. I have three daughters, one who's 20, another who's 16, well, and then who's 20 tomorrow, another who, uh, will be 17, uh, next month. And then we had a, we have a fourteen-year-old uh, who just turned fourteen at the beginning of the month. Oh,
0: wow, that's amazing! And so they
2: bring me joy, uh, but beyond that, uh, teaching gives me joy. You know, I've I've taught at Howard uh, now for nearly two decades, and a part of that work of of knowing that you're preparing the next generation of religious leaders mm-hmm. and educators uh, really is deeply gratifying. Yeah. So, so, but on a personal level, you know, music brings me joy. Running yeah. brings me joy, and just cutting up with my with my friends, you know, that yeah. also brings me joy.
1: I love that because we have so much going on in the world today, right? And we have to find those things that keep us anchored, that give us joy, and that give us hope. Yes. It's easy to fall into hopelessness, mm-hmm. um, and so I love that you have those things um, ever present in your life
2: trying to stay balanced
1: yes yes well on that theme though with what's going on in the world and in culture Mm -hmm. there's a lot of conversations in the church and you know all around about justice especially um over you know the past few years and so what would you say for you that you think is you know something from the conversation um that should be added to the conversation about justice within the
2: church so the conversation about reparations, I think, is very critical because in many uh, communities of faith, the, the leap is from thinking about justice and then moving to reconciliation without having first dealt with the injury, mm-hmm. right? So if we stop at justice, then we short-circuit the process that I think Jesus Ultimately, calls us to, which is reconciliation with God as well as our um, sister or brother. But, um, but in a context where human beings have been um, violent and selfish and uh, self-centered and self-serving, someone gets exploited in that process. Mm-hmm. And when exploitation takes place, um, someone someone uh, wins and someone loses. Right. And so, in order to make more just the reality in which the human community um, 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 is invited to participate, repair has to be done. Right. And I believe that those who have uh, advantages, privilege, Mm -hmm. are the persons who are at most, um, who are most responsible for making things right. Mm -hmm. And if you're historically benefited, benefiting from um, wealth accrual, um, things that a capitalistic, hyper-capitalistic system provides um, you and the heart has not turned toward more benevolent sharing right. and working toward justice and something's wrong.
1: Mm. And that's such a tough thing because in the United States, it's a very individualistic
2: Very much so.
1: Society. And so that communal sharing that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. it's usually people are trying to find ways to hold on to what they have. Absolutely. Um, Or even, (laughs) you know, give more. (laughs) You know, I'm not trying to give you anything. (laughs) Right, right, right. I'm going
3: to hoard.
1: Yes, (laughs) Yes, exactly. So with that in mind, like... You know, as you like, can assess the past three years mm-hmm. um, of life that, that has happened for you and just within the country itself, mm-hmm. um, what are some lessons that um, you feel are just rise at the top for you?
2: Yeah, so um, in my judgment, I think we all have um, to participate in the public square. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we must um, see church as... Coming together uh, to worship, but leaving to serve. Mm. And serve might look different, serving may look different depending on um, your own uh, credentialing, your own experience, education. All of that looks, may look, you know, different depending on the person. Right. But I think we as human beings are called to do more than, um, than we're we're currently um thinking that we're responsible for. We are accountable to one another, Mm -hmm. but we're also accountable to God. So in the last three years, you know, I've been really um dismayed with the political scene, Mm. um, not just nationally but globally. Mm. But just thinking about, you know, the older that I get and the reality that this is the world when I move off the scene this is the world my children will inherit mm-hmm. it, it really it really um, depresses me in some ways um, and so I'm always looking for these pockets of hope because yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a, a person that will uh, move into places of despair as if nothing can be changed um, I'm I'm Try to be a hopeful person, and then mm-hmm. when I see those moments that can be celebrated, I try to do that.
1: I love that. Yeah. I think that's what we all have to do.
2: Yeah, honestly,
1: mm-hmm. I think that's just the the state and the place that we're in. If we're going right. to be able to carry forward in the work that we do, right. and carry forward, you know, with with any ounce of hope, you know, <laughs> we, we have to make those spaces. That's, that's right. So one thing I want to know from you is the last thing I'm going to ask you um, is if and when we face opposition, right. um, how would you encourage people to rise um, mm-hmm. when opposition comes our way? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I would say don't go through life without anchoring yourself spiritually because life will throw at you things that you can't plan. Um, You can't plan for, and and, uh, in many ways, um, we live in an an oppositional sort of society. And so, if you're not uh, feeding your spirit, praying, you know, having others pray for you, praying for others, Mm -hmm. finding ways in which you can uh, anchor yourself, um, it's almost, it's nearly impossible to go against. Or come against an adversary mm. that seeks to kill
0: mm. and
2: destroy, mm. right? And so, if uh, if one is intentional, um, if one um, values the company of those who uh, care, who are compassionate, who are uh, selfless and uh, understanding, that we all have frailties and that we all um, need others, uh, then I think. Uh, I think that there's hope in that. I think we can, you know, uh, do better in our in our walk with God and with one another.
1: I love that. We all have, you know, to find that way in that yeah. space to stay connected to God in a world when there's so many other things that can distract us from that's doing true. that thing. That's you true. have, you know, your phone is a, is a walking <laughs> nice. distraction, right? Ooh, nice.
2: all
1: the time. <laughs> um, so yeah. that's a good word, though, for us to be able to realize how we can rise making sure we have that community and making that space to fill ourselves up spiritually that's
2: right thank you
1: so much dr gilbert thank you for your
2: time you're welcome it's been a pleasure thank you for hosting this You're a marvelous host oh thank you yeah i hope you continue to do this work thank Um, you so much
1: Hello everyone, welcome to a special edition of the Path the Mic podcast at the Joy and Justice Conference, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I am your host, Faith Brooks, and I am here with my dear friend, Natasha Sistrunk Robinson, and she is amazing. And also, she's now Dr. Natasha. Oh, do- okay. <laughs> Dr. Natasha. So, um, I want to ask you, the theme this year of the conference is Rise Up and Flourish. Yeah. What would you say those words like mean to you? What stands out about that? Yeah,
4: when I think about rise up and flourish, I think about I think about freedom, I think about liberation, but I also think about what God originally intended from us from the very beginning. So you know, in the very beginning we see God creating and everything's beautiful and there's unity and there's oneness with God and with humankind and God gives them responsibility to cultivate the earth and he gives you know plants for seeds and he says you know like cause these things to multiply and so I think what God wants us to do is his image bearers is to take what he's given us and make more of it more goodness, more beauty, more love um, and, and I think when we don't do that it's a result of sin and the brokenness in the world too yeah
1: you know, it's really interesting because I think when I think of all these conversations that we get to have, um, I think of our own personal like life lessons, our own things that we have gone through. So, for you, what would you say like over the past three years is some big lessons, some things that you've <laughs> learned? <laughs> Um,
4: it's been so much. <laughs> I've moved twice. I published two books. I finished a doctorate degree. Um, I'm building a nonprofit, dealing with mostly black girls and young women, having a lot of conversations about mental health, spiritual warfare. Um, in addition to this, dealing with my own grief, right? I've lost some significant people in the last couple years. And so um, there is a ton of lessons learned. Um, but I also feel one of the things we're talking about this weekend is that. Um, God doesn't want us to suffer, but at the same time, we are also shaped through our suffering. Right. And so I've already learned that in my life. And so um, it's it's one thing to, you know, experience that in my own life. But also when we look at the history of our ancestors, to know that this thing that I'm going through, um, the suffering, uh, is not the end of me. Right. right? We can continue to persevere. Um, and it's not for... Um, because God doesn't care or because God's trying to hurt or harm me. Um, and so I just use that to really, um, be attentive to what God is doing and how God is shaping and forming me for the work that he's called me to do and for the purpose that which I was created.
1: I love that. Yeah. So with that in mind though, when you were mentioning community, yeah. why do you think that it is crucial for black people, black Christians to have like these shared spaces of community together? Yeah, I. you know,
4: we were coming in to the conference this morning and I asked someone, I said like, what brought you here? Why did you come? She said, Oh, I just came to hang out with my friends and, and that's really the thing for me too uh, I came to hang out with my friends I think it's important for black people to one create the communities that we need to flourish I think that's very important and be intentional in that um, right. to be intentional being present and showing up with each other but I think also um, we get sharpened that like we get wisdom we get knowledge we get understanding. we get challenged we get right. to grow and we get comfort you know we get joy we get celebration and so being together is a spiritual discipline it really is and to choose to do that when we have the privilege to do that I think it's a gift to us it's a good chance to pause and to get away from the work um and to just focus on our being first right yeah
1: so as you like you're a theologian yes okay I was gonna say would you consider yourself that you got your doctorate degree absolutely you know there's a lot of conversations going on um, about justice within the church then they have been going on for several years now right and um, even in culture people are talk about justice what does it look like what does it mean but when you think about the conversations that are happening do you think there's anything missing like is there anything that should be added to the conversation yeah. the two things come to
4: mind I think one for me as a Christian, right, I'm like there is no justice without righteousness. Right. And so there, you know, we serve a God who has, who's a standard bearer who still says that I'm holy, right? Yeah. And so I think it's important for us. And I say that because as a Christian, I'm motivated to pursue justice for a different reason. Right. And for a different end. Right. Um, And I I think that's really important. So I think we want to be talking about justice and righteousness and what we see, how that shows up in the text and how God is revealing himself to us um, in his character and the character he wants to rise up in us. Um, so I think that's part of it. But I think the other part is is um, justice requires action, my friend. Right. right. And so I don't care how many books you read, how many podcasts you listen to, you know, what what you do and say on social media at the end of the day I want to know what you're doing in your day-to-day life to show that you're trying to create equity for people right to show that you're trying to right wrongs to show that you're breaking down systemic injustice to show that you are wanting people to have equal access and opportunity because when you're taking action um that tells me that your your talk about justice is not weak it's mm-hmm. not trite. Right. Um, and, and, and when you think about all the prophets that talk about the righteousness of God. Right. The challenge was always for God's people to do something. hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we have to do something. And if we're not taking action, I submit that we're not really serious about our commitment to justice. Ooh, that's so good. Yeah. And I just love that you just took me to church right now. <laughs> I thought it don't take much. Like, like, just ask me the right question.
1: (laughs) 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 Look, we about that life. You know? And I think (laughs) one thing that I want, you know, to hear from you, because you have had to rise through some really tough situations in your life. Mm -hmm. What would you say as an encouragement to people Mm -hmm. who need to rise through challenges? Like, what is some encouragement you would give to somebody? I, um... -hmm. I've been writing about the
4: wilderness for a long time, like mm-hmm. wilderness experiences. And part of that is just because the way that I've been shaped is by a lot of grief. That's just part mm-hmm. of my story. Um and because that's the reality of my story, like that's never going to change. Like mm-hmm. like when you lose people, like they're not coming back, right? right? So that's just a way I've been formed as a disciple of Jesus and um, that's been a journey too, a journey of how to grieve well, how to lament well, how to walk through dark places well, how to persevere in the face of, mm. um, you know, righteousness and unrighteousness. Mm. Um, but this is the thing what I've told, I've come to understand and I've learned and I share with people a lot is that we to let the wilderness do its work, mm. right? To let the wilderness do its work. And so when we find that, Anyone who's called to lead in God's kingdom, mm. when um, the ministry is taken off or shifting, there's oftentimes a desert or wilderness experience beforehand.
1: Yeah, that's right. Right.
4: So you know, we see that with Jesus, we right. see that with David, we see that with Moses. A lot of so, so, and what God is doing in that wilderness is he's he's refining us mm. to prepare us for the thing ahead that we may not even know so we don't know what we need for the fight ahead or for the journey ahead because we only know where we've been Mm. that's right and so the wilderness does work to really um prepare us for where god is 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 taking us so that we're equipped to sustain the thing that's coming Mm. that is so good bless you girl
1: you know what y'all she's been through some things so she's given us some wisdom and as you can see her books are all right here right. it's a few behind more there. it's a few
4: more there but these are the ones these, we are, the ones. these are the main okay. ones okay there's a
1: bunch of, there's a bunch more but you take a look okay um so thank you so much thank for you, joining us um, we appreciate your time you all you can find dr natasha mm-hmm. Wayne where online natasha s
4: robinson.com everywhere You can um, find social media, books, all the stuff on my website. There are podcasts as well, a Sojournalist Truth podcast, so
1: check that out. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, friend.
0: Hey, family, this is Tyler Burns, host of Pass the Mic. And I am so grateful to each one of you for listening and supporting the work that we do here at The Witness and on this podcast. And I want to encourage you, if you have been blessed by anything we have said, if you have been encouraged, if you've shared the episode, thank you. But you can take your support a step further and you can support us on Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Pass the Mic for just $1 an episode. That's it. So that's like $4 a month. That's one cup of coffee per month. That's super easy, super simple, and you can keep this work going. We're 10 years in, and we want to do another 10, and we need your help. Patreon.com slash the We appreciate those of you who are patrons, and we appreciate those of you who are going to support
3: This episode is brought to you in part by Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. Over 13,000 people in the Seattle area are homeless. Kathy is one of many who found a new life through Seattle's Union Gospel Mission.
2: Growing up, my dad and I didn't get along. I kept running away from home until one time I was assaulted. After that, I carried a lot of pain inside of me and I was doing a lot of drugs. I became homeless. It's taken me almost 40 years to get the healing I needed. But all along, God was looking out for me. He led me to the mission, and the mission has helped me in all kinds of ways. I've learned how to set boundaries and say no. Now I'm looking forward to working for the mission. I want people to know there's hope out there. God can help you heal.
3: And grace will lead me oh. To hear more, volunteer, or donate, visit UGM.org.
1: Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Pass the Mic podcast at the Joy and Justice Conference. This is powered by The Witness, a Black Christian collective. I am your host, Faith Brooks, and I am here today with Reverend Alvin Love. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: So the theme of our conference this year is Rise Up and Flourish. Um, so, for you, what are some words that come to mind when you hear that, and you think of rising up and flourishing? What what comes to the top for you?
3: Well, I think the first one is is actually the un- overarching theme of all of this is joy.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, when you when you flourish, when you get when you're not satisfied with uh, lower living, low levels, then that. It brings joy. It, it it just changes the perspective of a person. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm, i I love the way this conference is set up to talk about flourishing. Uh, you know, I'm a preacher, so I'm always looking to build sermon material. Yes. So you know when, uh, you know when uh, Peter and and John tells this guy to get up, take up your bed, you know, in the name of Jesus, the first thing he does, the Bible says, is he leaps. Mm-hmm. You know, never walked in his life, but he leaps. That's joy.
0: Mm.
3: And then he runs into the church and worships. So. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the first things I think that come into my mind that, you know, we have a community that so desperately needs joy. Mm. Uh, it needs to flourish and thrive, you know, not just get by, right. but thrive. And uh, having a space where we can talk about how to do that. It brings joy to my life.
1: Yeah, mine too. And I, I wonder because um, because of you were actually hosting our conference at yes. your church, Lilydale yes. First Baptist Church Yes and so um, can you tell us a little bit about why um, it was important to you um, to host you know, the conference here, why you were willing to open up the doors mm-hmm. and create this space of joy for black folks
3: well I've, I've been at this church nearly forty years, but I've, I've been in community organizing for about 35 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've been doing this a long time. And then to all of a sudden see post-pandemic, this young crowd of engaged and enthusiastic people really jumping in and getting involved in justice. Mm -hmm. Uh, I said, not only do I want to be a part of it, but I want to bring my young people out Mm -hmm. so they can see it. And they can be energized and and inspired uh, so that we can begin to to really broaden this uh, across our communities. Mm-hmm. so yeah, it it was very important to me. The moment uh, they came and, and talked about it, I said this is this is right up my alley." Yes. I
1: love that. Yeah. What does it look like to you to kind of pass the baton to the next generation um, doing justice work?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's critically important that we do that. I think one of the failures in our community is that we we ha- we rise or we raise these great uh, liberators mm-hmm. uh, or great uh, proponents of justice. And then, of course, in many instances in our history, they've been violently stripped from us. Right. And we have nobody to fill the gap. And we spend 20, 30, 40 years waiting for another one Mm
0: -hmm. just
3: like that. And part of what I've, I've believed in organizing is that if you equipped a a whole team of folks Mm -hmm. with that same energy, that same passion and that same knowledge base, uh, first of all, it protects your leader because they can't take that leader out because there's another one just as qualified, just as passionate, ready to go and get it done. Right. Uh, but once that leader has moved on, you have you still have an army of people to keep it. So we're not going up and down. You know, mm-hmm. um, as I said, a long pastorate. A part of my my uh, experience is that that people uh, long pastors generally catch a church at a low level.
0: Mm-hmm. They bring it
3: up. They stay there forever until it goes back to down where it was when they first came. And then the next person comes in and catches it down there. And they just go through the same process. But the end result is you haven't really made any progress. You're still here. And so I I want them, I'll take advantage of this thing. I want them to rise and flourish. And so I want to take it up to a certain level and equip people behind me to catch it right there. Right. And then with their gifts and their skills to take it even higher.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah. So what would you say for you are some um, lessons that you've learned over the past three years? We've had a whole pandemic. There's a Mm -hmm. lot that has gone on in the world. Mm -hmm. And are there any lessons you've learned more recently that have kind of stood out to you?
3: The pandemic caused a lot of um, (laughs) challenges for the church. One... Uh one lesson that I learned is that you got to get more people involved in the leadership mm-hmm. th- th- and more people have to take ownership of the organization to to keep it going. You have to be willing to adjust to sudden change. Yes. You know, not just gradual change, but you have to be willing and open to a, to adjust to uh you know, to sudden change. Uh I, our church was helped because we we actually bought this property uh, a year before the pandemic hit. And then had to try to develop it throughout the pandemic
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, and having an older congregation in the city. And then, you know, coming out here that that need to change was almost thrust upon them. So,
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, you know, so it kind of helped that transition for us. So so I've learned that you have to have people involved. Uh, the time for, you know, the one person show. The pastor running it all and and dictating it down from Mount Zion is not going to work in the twenty first century. It takes a, a broad stroke, broad base.
1: Yeah, yeah. And as you talk about being a pastor, a leader, and raising up leaders, what would you say um, is a way that you find? Joy. How do you cultivate joy in your life in the midst of leading?
3: Well, one of the things that gives me great joy and helps me to cultivate it is to pass those lessons on, mm-hmm. is to have uh, younger people shadow me and ask me questions all day long. Mm-hmm. And I can answer them and talk about it. And, and because it reminds me of the journey that God has brought me on mm-hmm. and the, the, the successes that he's allowed me to have in spite of me, and my own failures, mm-hmm. and so uh, when I can have that and pass it on, and then also let that younger generation know that you know, you know, I did this didn't work. Don't try it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So it, it, you know, it's just being able to share that. You know, we're coming in this week, but I just I've been all week. I've been in uh, Louisville, and, and I had a young pastor just got his church a week ago or a month ago. Shadowed me the whole week. Just walked around trying to see wow. how do you how do you do this. Uh, how do we get engaged in this kind of community organizing and kind of development, and uh, and to see the smiles on on the faces of those who get it? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can you can tell it when that light bulb goes off. Yeah, and and that gives me joy when I see that that light in their eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I know, all right, they're going to do something with that. Uh, then I'm energized
1: to keep going. I really enjoy that. One thing as a young person myself, I really love and enjoy is sitting at the feet of my elders because there's so much for me to learn from people who have much more experience than I do and who have lived through some things. And so I'm sure over the years of pastoring and just living your life, you faced challenges and so um, what would you um, say to somebody? What encouragement um, could you give to someone who is trying to rise through some challenges mm-hmm. and you know, needs to get that extra oomph, that gusto to get through <laughs> you know, to, the, to the next you know, phase?
3: Well, I, I would say a couple of things. One is, is trust your relationship with God mm-hmm. and what God has purposed in your life. Uh, because if you know that he is working through you mm-hmm. then whatever you have to go through that's exactly what's happening. You right. are going through it and it's not going to define you, it's going to make you stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a there's a psalm uh, I think it's Psalm 32, I may be wrong, but it's, but in that, I think it's the fifth verse of it, it says uh, weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning mm-hmm. and and the context of that psalm is really in worship it's a it's a communion psalm, a corporate psalm uh it's or it's in the middle of a bunch of corporate psalms but it's meant individually for this one psalmist right and it, it's a reminder uh the, the real hebrew in that suggests that um Weeping may endure. That word endure it means it's, it's like a, a stranger passing in the night. Mm-hmm. You don't, you won't remember them. And so when you get on the other side of your issues,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you'll look back and you won't even remember what happened or how mm-hmm. you got through, except for the fact that God was with you and he brought you through. So don't let, you know, momentary struggles keep you from your main goal uh, of rising. And thriving and flourishing. Because if God said it, you know, that's it. We used to have bumper stickers years ago that said, if God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And then I had I had a uh uh a Christian educator in my church said that's wrong, Reverend. I said, what do you mean it's wrong? She says, she says, take the middle phrase out. She said, because if God said it, it doesn't matter whether I believe it or not, it's Mm -hmm. settled. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and so, if I trust in what God has done and what yeah. He said, uh, then it settles it for me. Right. And so I can get through the challenges. You know, I, I could. You don't have enough time for me to tell you about the stories that I've gone through. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I've uh, in twenty fifteen I had a diagnosis of double cancer.
1: Oh wow! And
3: one of them was so rare. I think I'm the fourteenth person on the planet to have it. Wow and the doctor came in and said, we have no standard of care for you, mm. you know? and then and I said, well, you know the God hasn't told me that this is it. so you do what you do I'll talk to my boss and we'll see what happens you mm. know and, and now I, I go back for checkups so they said, if I didn't have a surgery scar, you'd never know anything had ever been wrong with me.
1: Wow. you Wow know?
3: and, and I feel better than I have twenty years so it's you know it's it's just when God does it, you go through it and it becomes it really becomes an energizer.
1: Yeah. You
3: know? Yeah. You look back and say, you know, I came through that, I oh, don't worry about whatever's coming up now. That's right. And, yeah.
1: This has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Reverend Love, for your time. Thank you. And um, would you help everybody who's watching know where to find um, you, where to find Lilydale? How can people find the church, follow um, your work?
3: Well, uh, in person, we're we're at one church in two locations. We have a, a church in the city of Chicago at 649 West 113th Street. Um uh, and then we're here in Park Forest an eight and a half acre campus here at four twenty four Indian Wood Boulevard in Park Forest, Illinois. But you can find us online on, on YouTube is uh Lilydale First Baptist Church or our Facebook page is Lilydale FBC, Instagram is you know, Lilydale FBC, all of it. So we're we're easily found. And wow. uh uh we'd love to invite you to come in and take a look at us.
1: Thank you, thank you for hosting us and inviting us here. Um, And thank you for sharing space with me today.
3: Thank you so much, it's my joy. Thank you. Yes.
1: Hello everyone, welcome. To a special edition of the Pass the Mic podcast at the Joy and Justice Conference. Um, This is powered by The Witness, a Black Christian collective. I'm so excited to be here with you. My name is Faith Brooks, and I am here with my friend, Danielle Cope Balfour, and um, we're just really excited to have a good conversation today. So, thank you for joining me. Of course. Always a pleasure. So, we are here at the conference, and the theme is Rise Up and Flourish. Mm -hmm. So, when you think of those words, what comes to mind?
5: I really like the idea of rising up above the distractions and the things that have really taken a lot of our attention. I think especially as black Christian creatives, we often get bogged down by people's opinions of the work we do and if we're doing it the best way that we could. Right. We also overwhelm ourselves with our own like self-critique. And I think rising up above the noise that surrounds us gives us an opportunity to truly flourish. And, you know, I'd like to talk a lot about reimagination in the mm-hmm. sense of what if we just took the time to clear the air, clear the distractions and just focus in on what we're called to do mm. and the hope that we have in Jesus and knowing that even if we fall short, he will take it all the way home. So Ooh, I, love that. I think that triggers the flourishing mm. in me
1: yes. when I think about that. And how do you feel about like gathering together in community with black people, black Christians? Like, why is this so crucial for us? Yeah.
5: I feel like, I feel like I'm alone in this work sometimes, Mm. actually often. And I know that's not true. Like I see everybody doing their thing, but I'm at home in my apartment working on my little projects and I'm like, oh, this is so tiring. Or I feel so defeated. Yeah. I often forget that it's possible to reach out to people and to connect with them. And being in spaces like this, you come across so many people who actually pull you aside and encourage you. Yes, so true. They pour into you without you even asking and then just... That familiarity of being amongst your folk, your kinfolk. Yes. Folk. There's nothing people. like it. You don't have to explain yourself to anyone. That's right. You let your guard down
1: and just be. That's right. So, so important. I think that it's so life-giving, mm-hmm. especially because so many of us live, like, all over the country. We're doing different things. And I do feel like when we come together in, like, a shared space, mm-hmm. there's just such a great, like, kindredness, you know? Yes. It makes it just so much fun. It feels like family. Yes, it does. And because we've had so much going on with the pandemic over the years, Mm -hmm. like our time of gathering has been more limited. And so now that we're able to gather back in spaces together, it feels really special. Absolutely. I've missed it a lot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. me too. Being in spaces like this remind me that, you know, I really miss that communal aspect. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Mm-hmm. So for you though, over the last three years, as I just said, we've had a pandemic. It's been a lot. Yeah. So what are some like big lessons you've learned? Yes. I think one of the
5: main lessons I've learned in the work that I do is to just consistently remind myself that I'm not a resource. I'm a person. Mm-hmm. So I say this often, like, especially when a lot of my job is educating or yeah. pointing to resources. I can often feel like I'm just that yeah. <laughs> like a connector of, and I have to remind myself like, no, no, you're a person. So that means that there's rest. That means right. that you can point people to other resources. Cause again, right. you yourself are not a resource and to remember like my humanity, even yeah. as I battle with things like perfectionism, mm-hmm. it's just remembering like, girl, you're not going to get it right all the time. Right. And you also don't have to get it right all the time because you're a person. That's right. And so I'm really reminded of that. And I've learned, had to learn that lesson. Mm -hmm. And also that I can't do everything. That's right. I think during the pandemic, a lot of us went into like go mode of trying to fulfill our dreams and do our projects. And we're like, oh, we've got all this time and it can turn really into like thinking that you're a one man show. Yeah. And so I've had to learn that I can't do this by myself, which Mm -hmm. is again, another great reason for these gatherings, but also something I've really
1: learned. And because community is so important and like core to the work that we do, Mm -hmm. even if on the day to day, we might be like working at home alone or doing whatever we have to do. Having that support system is so important. Mm -hmm. So because of that though, you have to do a lot of like self care. So how do you maintain joy in your life and in the work that you do?
5: Oh yes. I'm listening a lot more to the things that really light me up. Mm. And so it could be really simple things. Like the other day we went to the museum to see Mm -hmm. an illustrator's exhibit, Beatrix Potter. I feel like people may know her. She did Peter Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. So she had an exhibit and I was like, oh, this is the most beautiful thing. And I felt so refreshed by going there. And I was like, I'm going to buy one of these collections of her picture books Yes, and I'm going to flip through this and allow her art and her story to inspire me as an illustrator. And so I, I think of moments like that, I'm like, more of that in my life.
1: Yeah. More of
5: listening to the stuff and feeling all the stuff that really lights me up and then making an effort and making time to do that. Yeah. So we've been to the movies a lot.
1: I love it. We've been reading a
5: lot. Like I say, we, you know, me and Cody, my husband. Yeah. But yeah, we're doing those things and we really find that filling our mind with stories and storytelling, mm-hmm. not only does it take your mind off of maybe some of the difficult things, Yeah. but it also can really inspire you. And help you look through the world in a new lens, maybe a more hopeful Mm. lens or a reimagined lens. But that's really been helping me
1: going and really filling me with a lot of joy. I love that. Yep. Because if we don't find ways to imagine and even Mm reimagine, then we can get stuck in this rut of, like, hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And, like, maybe how it is now is how it's always going to be. Right. And that's not the truth. Even though there's challenges, yep. there is hope for, you know, thinking about what could happen and what could change. Mm-hmm. Hope keeps me doing this work, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So when you think about this, though, we've had a lot of conversations in 2020, as we all know, mm-hmm. and a lot of things gross to the surface. And these are things that we've already been talking about in the justice space. But even more so, I feel like the conversations we've been having within church about justice were at, at a center stage and within our culture. Mm-hmm. So... Is there anything you would say in that conversation that's missing? Like, is there something we haven't covered or something Mm. that's not talked about as much when it comes to justice in church? You know, I grew
5: up, as you know, in in a black church setting. But as I got older, I was working in more predominantly white church settings and finding myself in those. And it can often feel like we're a step or two behind culture Mm. in those spaces Mm -hmm. when it comes to race race conversations. And so I've seen a lot of talks about a seat at the table and inclusion, but I would love to see more talks, especially in those kinds of spaces about sharing power. Yeah. I would love to see more like, you know, cultivating and bringing up powerful leaders of color, powerful black leaders, To take their place. Yeah. We often talk about how we need to create our own spaces. And Mm -hmm. a lot of us are working towards that. But I do want to keep it real. And I know that not everybody has the power to step out of what they're doing right now. And go do their own thing. Like a brand new thing. It's a goal, but it's not always super accessible. Right. right? And so I'm like, okay, where you're planted right now, if your church says that they care about justice, especially racial justice, what are they doing to create equity, to -hmm. disrupt the systems of power currently established and saying yeah we're gonna elevate these leaders not just because of them being black or being people of color right but also we're not gonna have like it as a play a actor right you know right both can be true right like they can be extremely talented gifted people who deserve the role and you could also be thinking it through and viewing this through an equitable lens that's right and so that's what I think I would love to see more of
1: okay and I think to your point mm-hmm. there's really, and not a lot of people trying to say, like, they'll say, come sit at my table, Mm -hmm. but not come lead my table. Absolutely. And so I think that's, like, a really important conversation Mm -hmm. and something we probably need to lean more into and even push people. If this is a part of your word, if, you know, your black square commitment, whatever, then are you going to actually share power, like you're saying? Or are you going to, like, kind of stifle it, keep it to yourself and you know do symbolic acts of equity right right mm-hmm. but we're over the symbolism yes we want actual
5: action absolutely those symbolic acts had their time but we're now seeing that there isn't a lot of fruit behind it that's right for a lot of people and so what's next that's right what actions are we taking
1: to actually really do this thing so then, in your opinion, as we think about what's next, what does it look like for Black people to truly flourish in this world? Oh
5: yes. Speaking for myself, I think really owning who I am in my fullness mm-hmm. as a Black woman who doesn't necessarily always fit the stereotypical Black woman box, mm-hmm. as some may view. Like I, I love art. I love different kinds of aesthetics that aren't super common for some people. I like super creative things. And, you know, and some people may look at me and be like, you're not stereotypical picture of a black woman. And it's like, wow, that doesn't, that doesn't exist. It's a stereotype, as you said. And so I feel like I want more black people living into the fullness of who they are. Right. Like I want you to be passionate about anime and watch all your anime shows. Like yeah. I want you reading your graphic novels. I want you wearing and wearing your fun clothes and yeah. coloring your hair and yeah. like lean into the fullness of who you are and not think that it takes away from your blackness. Uh-huh. Your blackness and your individual, individuality go hand in hand. Like you don't have so to true. sacrifice one for the other. Yeah. And so I think that freedom of expression and creativity is really liberating. It can unlock a whole new level of joy in the work that we do. That's right. Because we're bringing all of ourselves to the table. I love that. So I love that, yeah.
1: My friend Amina Brown-Owen says, you can't tell a black girl how to black girl. You really can't. You can't. And so I love what you're saying because you do show up as your full self. Mm -hmm. I love that you have like so much color in your wardrobe (laughs) and color in everything that you do. Uh I feel like it's such a beautiful reflection of who you are on the inside. And it just like reflects outward. Right. I love that. And so I just think that like how much more freedom would we all have if we felt um, just that sense of Like I'm confident enough to show up as my full self, yeah. um, No matter what people think about me, Mm -hmm. and none of this takes away from my blackness. Yes, I am just who I am. Period. There's there's nothing else. There's nothing else we're adding to that. Exactly. I am who I am, and that is just enough, and it's valid. You
5: can come into a black space like this and feel fully accepted for who you are, because we family. That's right. What you do.
1: So, is there any person that has like really influenced your journey, um, and in terms of like flourishing, living as your full self? Like, is there any person who's been really key in you like taking that in and being able to live that out? Hmm.
5: Okay, I'm gonna be, uh, you know, cliche and definitely say my mom. Yes. She definitely has encouraged me over the years to not shrink for anyone. I love that. I feel like I often start to. I look around, even at this conference, at this lineup wild
1: so good girl and I'm
5: over here like me Danny yeah on this lineup that's less what but it's like you're not here because we want you to try to emulate anyone else on this list that's right you're here to be you and to be your full self and yes. so my mom always reminds me of that um Tyler Burns passed the mic that's right very encouraging in my journey yes and also Dr. Christine Edmonton she's mm-hmm. been mentoring me I mentioned her in my talk she's here too and then historically like Dr. King I am so obsessed with his yes. work like it's I read everything I read all of it uh, and I feel really empowered to embody this journey of justice and not just talk about it but really be mm-hmm. about it and find ways to even in Nashville get on the ground and get involved in yeah. a lot of these movements that are going on and we don't always have to initiate something sometimes we just need to join forces with that's
1: people. right we're already why are you doing the thing I love that. So those are a few off the dome. Those are some really great people. And I think that's one of the parts of what we're talking about, which is having community. And I feel like community and flourishing go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And just your life and your work is truly a reflection of that. Mm. Because you're also putting the work back into people's hands by saying, listen, you can read my work, you can see what I'm doing, but also go back and do something with your community and with your people.
5: Absolutely. And that's where you find the most fulfillment, I think. Yeah. Because it's one what. It's one thing to just be talking about this stuff online, very important to be talking about this stuff online. But once you're in the weeds, it's yes. like, oh, this really is a problem. Like, oh, the healthcare system really needs to be, oh, man, you know? Yeah. You start to really feel this in your body. And I want that for more people who care. Yes. Thank
1: you so much for your time, Danny. Thank you for joining me and for sharing your heart with all of us. We've learned so much from you, and I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Faith. Always a pleasure. You're my favorite.